of the Biggest Big Ticket Coaches podcast. I'm Michelle Cooper, founder and CEO of Alchemy Accounting and Bookkeeping, where we help entrepreneurs create ease and flow in their business finances, clean up their mess and chaos, and help them avoid being blindsided in the future. We believe that every business has a purpose and creates an impact in our world. And the more money you have, the more expansive that impact can be. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you could be our next guest in 15 or 20 minutes. So let's check out today's show. Hey everyone, I am so excited to introduce you to Julie Ellis. She is the founder of BigGorgeousGoals.com. She has a new book out and she is going to tell us a little bit about herself, her amazing success story, because it's a good one, and how she transitioned from that to what she's doing now and share, I am sure, some really big gold nuggets with us today. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about you. I know where you come from and I love your story. Um, so share that with our audience. So I was working as a financial planner and I had a couple of small children, toddler, toddler age children. And I, together with three friends, started a business called Mabel's Labels, which you might have heard of. Mabel's um, Labels. I love it. <laughs> There we go. When my kids so, were little, it was a game yeah. changer. Yes. Well, and you know, we were sending our kids out to daycare and to activities, and we were told to label everything. And we said, how? And the answer was a masking tape and a permanent marker. And we thought we could do a better job. So that really was the, the dawn of that business. Um, and so we built the business for almost 13 years, and we decided to sell it. Um, Avery Labels approached us and although we weren't actively trying to sell the business at that point, you know, when the giant in your industry phones you and says, huh, we've been watching you, uh, then you, you know, we thought it was worth a conversation. And I think we were at a crossroads in the business at that time where we'd been at it for a long time. And so, you know, you, you start out and people start to want slightly different things. And we were, you know, not wildly apart, but those things after time, you know, you start to change kind of where you think you're heading. And so the timing was great. The offer was great. Um, and we sold the business to them. And then what, for me, what happened afterwards was that I unexpectedly to me ended up out in the world and I didn't know I would want to leave. Um, but that's what happened. And, and so I stayed for about six months of transition and then I left. Um, and that move was destabilizing for my entire life. Um, right. and I struggled, I struggled as somebody who had climbed for pinnacles for a long time. Um, sitting on a plateau was a very difficult spot for me. Uh, I had some grieving to do over my business and the end of my involvement in it. Right. And I didn't know how to tell people I was grieving without looking um, like I didn't have gratitude for the journey and for the, I mean, let's face it, it's the entrepreneur's dream to sell their business. And, and your business sale was 
like a Canadian success story. Like, let's be honest, right? Like it was pretty big event in entrepreneurship world in Canada, at least. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I fully agree totally somebody like every entrepreneur's dream. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I think I thought I would never leave. And so, you know, trying to reconcile the grief with the gratitude was really hard. And um, as I started to get some time behind me and kind of figure myself out, one of the things I did almost right away was decide to become a coach. And then I got a job actually in between. So it kind of got delayed a little bit. I ran a business for somebody else for a little while. Uh, Great, great experience, great team. Um, And what I learned is that I want to work for myself. And so, you know, that was the enduring theme for me of leaving Mabel's and, and of taking this gig running somebody else's business. I wanted to do build something for myself. And so then when I left there, I actually went and did my coaching certification and got that business going and pretty quickly built a business coaching, um, sort of scaling entrepreneurs and doing some corporate uh, work, uh, learning about how to do corporate work, how to package up something that, you know, corporate wants, because there's a tension in corporate coaching between satisfying the corporation and the individual. Right. Uh, so it's a little bit different. And then starting to talk about my grief and gratitude intersection, and it really was landing with people. And so I built a workshop about how to think big. And, you know, it was mostly pointed at women, although people, all kinds of people have told me they find it valuable and started delivering the workshop, built a keynote, started delivering a keynote. And then the pandemic came. And so I'd built this great business, you know, I'd started, uh, you know, you start farming things out, you hire people to do things for you, you, those kinds of things. And then the pandemic hit. And I did go back at that point to basically solid one-on-one coaching. Right. Yeah. And I learned something and that is that I don't want to coach hundred percent of the time one-on-one. I hear you. Oh my goodness. I, I did, I've done several, like many, many years of coaching, um, And for a couple of years, I took a role in someone else's business as a lead coach. And I've coached hundreds and hundreds of people. And there was a time like when I remember when the pandemic hit, everybody, you know, they go into like fight or flight, like crazy. Right. And I remember the company that I was contracted under, they were like, we're just going to pour everything into our, into our clients. And I was like, I had so many calls going on every day and it was straining. Yes. Well, and in the early part of the pandemic, the clients that I had, they needed me. Uh, There was a lot, like there was so much uncertainty and so much. um, And so uh, the thing I think with, you have to find work that like, I love coaching. I love my clients. I love coaching. Um, but I learned that it's energy out work for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I do a workshop though, and I'm in a group and I've got the energy of the room going that to me is energy in work. And I need to find that balance and keep that balance in order for me to thrive at what I'm doing. And for me to have the energy to give when I do the one-on-one coaching. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit about your book, your big, gorgeous goals right behind you. Um, I can't wait for my copy to arrive. I'm hoping it's on my doorstep today from Amazon. I hope so too. (laughs) It's out in the world now, which is super, super exciting to me. Um, So yeah, I started with a workshop which became the keynote. And and as I like to say, I feel like it was the backwards way to go about it, but then I wrote a book. And so in a way though, I feel like I had these sort of baby ideas and I was afforded the space by using them in workshops to build build upon them, expand upon them and hone them. Um, So the keynote moved on then to, you know, honing the stories more and, and what were the things that, you know, had happened that, that got me because that intersection of grief and gratitude caused a wobble for me in setting world domination in my sights. And so it caused an examination of even somebody who everyone's like, well, I don't know how you guys did that can have a wobble. Right. And, and so there I was unsure of myself, my confidence was eroding. I wasn't sure where to go with it. And so I needed to find a way back to those kind of big, gorgeous goals. Mm -hmm. And once I did and started telling the story, it started to sort of compile itself. And honestly, the pandemic gave me the opportunity to actually write the book. So, so the business had, you know, scaled up And then to some degree, I scaled the business back down while I wrote the book and got it submitted and edited it. And, you know, I submitted the book just over a year ago. So it's, you know, it was a 12 month. I thought writing the book was the hard part, (laughs) but then, you know, editing it and figuring out how to market it and um, building a new brand around it all has been work. And so now I'm super excited because, you know, I'm back to this sort of more portfolio method to work, Mm -hmm. which has some one-on-one coaching and it has some programs and it has some groups and it has speaking and all the things kind of layering in together, which really makes me feel energized. That's awesome. I, I so love this. So, you know, obviously you're, you're a highly successful, highly driven woman entrepreneur. Um, and I think you have a lot of like gold, like I said, to share with our audience. So many of the people listening to the show, they, they're aspiring to your level of greatness, to be honest. Um, and what I find is that um, there can be this false persona out there about being a business owner, being a coach, um, and what that looks like, right? Kind of behind the curtain, (laughs) as I like to say. Um, What do you feel, given all of your experience, um, you know, all of it put together, what do you feel is the, um, the biggest financial mistake that people make when they're developing a business? In the sphere of coaching, I think one of the biggest mistakes is um, scaling up by taking on more clients and doing more one-on-one work Mm -hmm. and trying to make more money by stretching yourself too thin, really. 
right? Like, like I am a finite resource in my business. So what I need to consider is how can I best use that resource? Yeah. I always find people are, um, they're nervous to give away their money, right? Like to pay people to do stuff. Yes. And so they try to do it all. Right. And yes. Like, well, I can do that. And I can do that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, well, just like hire people to do that stuff. Yes. Right? Yes. And there's a learning curve. Like if you haven't hired people to do stuff before, or you haven't had an executive assistant or somebody who's going to do your marketing and social media for you, there's a learning curve on that stuff for sure. In terms mm-hmm. of um, giving direction to get what you want and what you need back from and not, you know, getting in a cycle and actually talk about this in the book is like, how do you delegate, how to delegate work, how to be specific enough, how to be, you know, all of those pieces that come together so that when you get the work back, you're like, yes, that's what I wanted. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, but you're right. It absolutely is about hiring. And I think it's easy to feel also uh, some fear over, okay, I'm going to hire these people, but I actually, chicken and egg over, do you need the money to hire the people or do you need to hire the people to make the money? Right. 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 And so, and maybe you can find a middle ground on that, but there, but there is a point where to make much more money, you need to hire the people because, you know, you get to that point where like you're dropping the administrative balls because you're so busy doing other things or, 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 right. Yeah, for sure. Like I know um, in my own business growth, um, I feel like I've made every mistake possible that there is. But um, one of the biggest mistakes that I made, I think, is um, hiring people to replace me when I should have hired admin people. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a really great point. (laughs) Yeah, like hiring admin people, they're cheaper. They, you know, they could take, I shouldn't be doing admin kind of thing. So they could take it off of my plate. But for some reason I just hired, I was looking for people like, oh, I just need to replace myself. I kept hearing that message out in the marketplace, like replace right. yourself, replace yourself. And, and replacing me costs a lot of money. Right. Yes. And so I actually built my business in probably at the beginning in the most unprofitable way possible. Um, because I was trying to replace myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and in some, yeah. And it's like that. How do you take the most literal, um, most literal version of that, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, cause there's other ways you can do things like, like if you build something, a workshop or something that's very um, replicatable, you can hire people to deliver the workshop. And then if they want you to deliver the workshop, they pay a different rate, right? right. So you, they, you know, so there are things you can do where you mini replicate yourself maybe as a way of putting it. I don't know. Or yeah. you put, or you have people who are still putting your thought leadership out into the world and delivering work that's under the umbrella. Like for me, under the big gorgeous goals umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love the title of the book, to be honest. Right. Because I never, I know we've all heard the big, hairy, audacious goals. And I was like, I don't like those words. That doesn't, that's not me. So I love big, gorgeous goals. So yeah. um, if somebody was like, I love goal setting, what would be their and they're trying to like scale their business, right? So maybe from around, I don't know, 
$150,000 to say they want to get to half a million, what would be a great, like, where, where's the place to start for them to, in setting their big, gorgeous goal? Well, I think the, the wanting to scale on the money side is a big piece of that. And then I often take things down. So I like to take things down and I always call it napkin math with people because models have a place and they are important, but a lot of times you need to sit down with a little piece of paper and kind of be like, okay, so 500 grand, that's like, <clears throat> you know, 40, 40,000 a month let's call it. So, you know, here's my hourly rate. Here's my workshop rate. Here's my speaking rate. You know, how, what is the combination of those things that I need to get to that $40,000 a month? Like I try to just bring it like really, really distill it down to something that's like, and then you're like, okay, well that doesn't work so much. So is my hourly rate right? Based on now the experience that I have under my belt, is that the right hourly rate for me? And often we, I think, undercharge, mm-hmm. you know, and and what's the work you're doing? So the other thing is, I think there's always a lot of conversation. So if your rate for a keynote is, you know, $10,000, how often do you actually get that? Or how often do you say, oh, well, I could do it for five, right? So, and there's a lot of controversy, you know, people say, well, do you want the work is the question I would ask, right? So do you want that work because it will open other doors because there's referral possibilities. There is a gateway to something more with that group or company. Like maybe they'll book a keynote and a workshop or they book a workshop and give out a hundred books with that workshop or, you know, so what are those like trade-offs, but ultimately you've got to boil it down to, if I'm going to get to that every month, what's it going to take from me? And therefore, what does that do to my time? Right. right. So then, okay. So if I, if that means I need to do, you know, a workshop every, you know, th- like two workshops a week, let's say, plus some individual coaching, plus two keynotes a month, like how do you fit that in? And what support do you need to fit that in? What do you need to stop doing? What's on the list now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, because, I that. yeah. So I kind I try and, yeah, I really, I try not to make things too complicated, I guess, like, you yeah. know, and there is a time and a place where you need to, but like as a starting point, you know, okay, so 40,000 a month, what do you, what do you need to do to get there? And what does that make your calendar look like? And, you know, so if you're, if you can't do it, then what are the levers you have to pull? Well, raising your rate, raising your workshop fee, raising your speaker fee, um, you know, having people who deliver the workshop on your behalf, building a couple of things where it's, you know, property of, and it's a distinct workshop and you can hire other people to deliver it. So you're making money without doing the work, all of those kinds of things, right? Yeah. That's a really great point. Right. Um, And I love that you mentioned the time piece because I think a lot of times, you know, people can go, okay, well, $40,000 a month, I can do you know, four workshops and two keynotes and have carried 40 clients or something. Right. And it's like, and so now what's going on with your time? Because you're, you know, you have other commitments outside of your business and we don't think about those things. We just, I think a lot of times people get fixed on the dollar value and they don't consider the time. And do you have the time to actually do that? And, And then to get those things, 
you know, you got to know your conversion rate, right? And so like, how many people yep. do you need to talk to, to book two yeah. workshops a week, right? Right. Um, and so it, it kind of mushrooms out, I think, right? Yeah. Um, in regards to time. And yes, it does. And that can, that like prospecting can for anything, clients, keynotes, workshops, yeah. all the things that can take up a lot yeah. of time. And we can all see, we're all, you know, you go on LinkedIn and you get those sales navigator things. And you're like, no, don't want that. Don't want that. Don't want yeah. that. Right. So yeah. it's also being careful about how you spend your time on that stuff. Right. Yeah. But yes, you've got to figure it out. And that's to me where it's like these cascading layers of what's the, what's the napkin math and what are the things that fall out of that, that you need to track? And do you know how to track them? Should you even learn how to track them? Or you, should you hire somebody who can track them and interpret them for you? You know, it's yeah. those pieces of like, yes, we can all learn things, but, but do you really need to? Like, yeah. where's my best value? My best value is probably not in learning those things. Well, that was something I had to learn, like, you know, in my business. So my business is 12 years old this year. And all along the way, I've had to learn that when I'm saying yes to something, I have to say no to something else. Absolutely. Um, because I, I got to the point where I was burnt out. I couldn't do mm -hmm. anything anymore. Like, yeah. Well, and by saying yes to things and filling ourselves with busy, we are inadvertently saying no to the things that we probably really need to say yes to. Right. Right. The things that are going to grow us, grow our revenue, grow our businesses. Like those are the things that end up on the back burner and that it's the wrong set of priorities. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. It is. Yeah. So I love the idea of a big gorgeous goals workshop. Like I love, okay. I love planners. I love goal setting. Like I could honestly, I feel like I could be your groupie because I can do, <laughs> do goal setting 24 seven. Um, do you do work like live workshops? Do you do virtual workshops? What do you got going on there? Right now I have both on my calendar for the next coming weeks and months. Um, and I, in it, and then I additionally have some hybrid stuff on the calendar where I'm going to go and deliver the workshop and some of the participants are going to be with me and some are going to be online. Nice. Um, so navigating that new world as well. Um, but it's, um, so yeah. So one of the, one of the next questions too, is like lots of people talk about building an online course. Um, and we, we may get there. But right now, but there's a lot of upfront, right? So here's the other thing about it, right? So when I do a workshop, um, so I have a, a standard format workshop now, and I can trim it from sort of a half day workshop to a 90 minute, that kind of thing. But if I do a course, there's a lot of upfront investment for me to actually even bring that course into the world. So before I do that, I really want to build the following that's going to take on that course yeah. when it lands. Um, yeah, so which is what you always hear about books as well, right? Like if you're writing yeah. a book, like you got to build a following while you're writing it and yeah. you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm, what I'm, what I'm headed towards is probably more a mentoring circles model, um, in the first phase before we get to like the formal courses. Um, so nice. that will start, yeah, that will start moving towards that in the fall. And then, um, 
yeah, workshop speaking, getting the word out there. Um, awesome. And, well, put me on your list yeah. for mentoring circle. That ah, sounds amazing. Oh my God. You. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be a really fun way to get started and also to really like build what is it people really want? What do they really want? Because ultimately the work that I'm doing needs to be in service of others. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve others then you know, point. I'm not building a business. What's right. Point? Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> problem. I had this conversation yesterday with a client and I'm like, I, I get what you're saying, but what's the problem you're solving? Like, I still don't understand yeah. what the problem you're solving is. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And then I was like, is that actually a problem when she described it? I'm like, is that actually a problem somebody will pay to solve? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Right. It's not something I'd pay to solve for sure. Right. So yeah people have to be wanting to solve it and pay money to solve it. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. And it is that piece of like, um, you know, are you the target client? Totally. You wouldn't pay to solve it, but there might be lots of people that would. Right. So it's also understanding what market you're going after. Um, and so that's where, you know, in the process, like, I think this book is appropriate for women leaders. But based on my experience and the people whose interviews I did for the book, we really ended up focusing it down on entrepreneurs. And so, you know, that's based on sort of my experiences and the credibility I brought to the table, as well as like, I interviewed some amazing women for this book and I am in awe of them. And I feel so fortunate to have been able to interview them and learn their stories. Um, and I look forward to interviewing lots more people and sort of really continuing my research. That's so great. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of this. It's a topic that's close to my heart. And I think that you really, um, helped us see like a different, a slightly different perspective. Um, and also like, you know, it comes straight from the source, like you have built very successful businesses. And so I feel extremely grateful that I got to spend this time with you today. Um, before we go, could you share with us, like, you know, you talked a little bit about the stories of of the women that you interviewed, maybe a, a short success story from the book or outside of the book um something that uh was maybe slightly different or interesting or had some kind of intriguing piece to it um well i think you know there's people who are people who systemize things right i'm i tend to be more of a systemizer and a process builder and then there are other people who are like great big blue sky like they know the process needs to be there but like no real sense of building it but what was interesting is i have all these different profiles of person like everything in between people who come with both people but they all recognize the same ingredients that are necessary and that was super interesting to me as i started talking to them all um and that is you know system processes and people are in the 90% of the iceberg that nobody sees. And 10% is the amazing things we all do that people look at and go, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Or I'm so amazed that you did that. I want to chase that too. Or, you know, whatever reaction it is that you get from that. 
but it's, it's the tip of the iceberg. Right. 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 And, and all of the good stuff that actually helps you get there is underneath. And so, you know, how do you set a big, how do you lean into being uncomfortable and set a big, gorgeous goal that feels scary and start putting the pieces together, those components to help you get there. System process people. Yep. That there is worth your time. If you were listening to this today. <laughs> Awesome. So tell us where people can find you if they want to learn more, if they want to take that next step with you, what should they do? So they can find me at biggorgeousgoals.com and the links to my socials are there. And my newsletter link for sign up is there. Lots of good information right now. It's largely focused on the book. Uh, we're in the process of building out a bigger website, um, but you can come and find me there and find find ways. And you can also find me on LinkedIn at Julie Ellis. You can find me on Instagram at the Julie Ellis or at big gorgeous goals. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today. I Thank so you. appreciate you. Everybody, you need this book. I think we all need to dive into our big gorgeous goals. I definitely am doing this and I will be giving away a copy of Julie's book when this podcast goes live. So Thank you. I feel like Show us your, your big, gorgeous goal work and, uh, and we'll, I'll be giving away a book and I bet you, Julie, would love to see that on social media. I sure would. Thank you so much, Michelle. You're welcome. Awesome. Hey, it's Michelle. Thanks so much for listening to Secrets of the Biggest Big Ticket Coaches podcast. If you're a successful coach, I'd love to talk to you. Would you like to be on my program? Please visit alchemyaccounting.ca slash podcast slash apply. If you've got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on all the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, I'm always looking to expand our reach. Please tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtags secrets of the biggest big ticket coaches. I know that's a long one. I love seeing your posts and I love guest suggestions the most. We're regularly putting out new uh, episodes and content. So make sure you don't miss anything. Um, don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and hit subscribe right now. Your thumbs up, your good ratings, your reviews, um, all of your feedback, they go such a long way to help us promote the show. And it means so much to me and my team. You are helping us achieve our mission. If you wanna know more, go to our website, alchemyaccounting.ca, or follow me on all the socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and the gram at Alchemy uh, Michelle, all one word. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.